0: you aren't sitting there and just judging other people like an audience member. I mean, I hate that. I, I really like you shouldn't have the time for it. You know what I mean? You should not have the time for <laughs> yeah. it. And the stoics have that line. My, my students are always shocked by this, be an enemy to yourself and one in weight. I love it. Like you're your critic, you're your critic. And like you are going to screw up is why you need to be your critic. You know, just like, Expected. it is really it's, it's very difficult things to work out
1: in this podcast i'm going to be exploring what it takes to live a life full of adventure and freedom i'll be interviewing adventurers explorers and business owners who have set their life up to have an abundance of choice and i'm also going to give you the high performance tips and tricks i teach my entrepreneur clients to have the kind of life they want and be the type of person they wish they were so if you're not already subscribed to the show and settle in for another episode of The Freedom Project. Welcome to The Freedom Project, where we explore the intersection of ancient wisdom and modern life. Today's episode features Jennifer Baker, a philosophy professor from the College of Charleston, known for her expertise in stoicism and virtue ethics. Jennifer brings stoicism into contemporary context, applying it to personal and professional challenges when exploring its relevance in today's world. We'll discuss her unique perspective on Stoicism's role in modern economics and decision making, and how ancient philosophies can guide us in our daily lives. This conversation offers practical insights into navigating life's complexities with a Stoic mindset. So, here is the wonderful Jennifer Baker. So, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Um, a real, real privilege to to have you on board and to get to discuss this with you.
0: Oh, for me, I'm really, really honoured.
1: So one of the things that you started of your talks with that I watched with was um, the Aristotle quote, to be happy, we must be ethical. Talk yeah. to me about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I really buy that. Um, so I probably had not, never had that idea presented to me until college. You know, so it's like a a, a thing I learned in a classroom. And then um, you hear it, you assume the Greeks meant something different by happiness. Uh, one of my favorite quotes of a student paper was if the Greeks had meant happiness by eudaimonia, they would have said so, <laughs> so <laughs> funny. but, uh, after, uh, learning it, you know, um, in a, in a textbook, you know, classroom way all this time since I've just seen it proven true. So this is more the Epicureans, but when someone acts out or they're vicious or, you know, gossipy or, um, anything negative, uh, it's due to a lack of happiness. (laughs) I mean, I've just like, I test the thesis every day, but it is a, a strange thesis. I mean, we have really particular ideas about happiness, like in our culture, they do not fit with this Greek idea of happiness whatsoever. I just saw someone share a fake, it's not a fake quote from Aristotle, but I saw someone on the internet share a meme where aristotle said great men always have some melancholy and i think aristotle meant like black bile in their system like this is in his biology and i was like how amazing that this idea that is you know the opposite of what aristotle meant about happiness aristotle would say any great man has to be happy or he's not great i mean our our culture is sharing the opposite <laughs> you know it's just like they like that a great man would be melancholy not thinking of melancholy the way Aristotle did is I think it's black bile in your system you know it's just like a completely different phenomenon he was referring to than happiness or unhappiness
1: yeah when did you originally get the the inkling to pursue stoicism because there's so many schools of philosophy to to go after and to find interest in and some are very practical some aren't so um, why why stoicism
0: well, I mean, it, it's probably uh, uh, boring to begin with. It, I, I was attracted to Aristotelianism because Martha Nussbaum was my professor. And she's just like, you know, I, I would bring my my now husband to classes. She was so amazing. Wow. Um, so she made Aristotelianism seem cool, but I did not understand it. So I actually did go to graduate school. This sounds like a lie, but I told people at the time. I was like, I'm going to understand Aristotle. So I was not understanding even like translated English sentences as an undergraduate. You know, everybody's discussing a sentence from him and, and like something about friendship. It wasn't really complex, but I still I could not understand. So that was my goal in graduate school. And it's not like I was a deep Aristotelian. I just thought, wow, this is a better alternative than anything I've heard, you know, in a contemporary context. And then I got to work with Julia Annis and she is such a an incredible expositor of ancient ideas that like the clarity she brought to the underlying theory of all these approaches, Plato, Aristotle, the Stoics, the Epicureans was, I mean, you know, life changing. And then with her, you just kind of slowly work through the arguments and the Stoics have more complete arguments than Aristotle. Sorry, Aristotle. But you know, he poses a lot of questions he doesn't answer. It's good methodology. But the Stoics have hundreds of years to kind of tie everything together, um, so they just won, you know, like their their account is is better, better defended, and um, has you know crucial elements like the theory of indifference, and um, you know they finish work on emotion and external goods, and um, it was not cool. It's still. Like I know in some worlds, it's probably cool to be a Stoic. If you're like a, a bodybuilder, I'm sure it's very, very cool. But it is not cool to be a Stoic uh, in contemporary academic life. Why so not? I don't know. I mean, it's embarrassing. And like, I think it just seems like you're not creative enough to like update ideas I've had no, some, no, I,
1: I get you. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, I had one, he was a wonderful epistemologist and uh, worked on AI early. And I was reading Cicero in a bookstore once, a, a, a professor of mine, but also a wonderful philosopher. And he slammed my book closed uh, as he was walking by, you know, like kind of pulls it out of my hand and slams it closed. And, and it's Cicero and he's like, why are you reading something that you know is wrong? <laughs> Know, just about any ancient idea and then i think stoicism is also associated with um wealth and uh masculinity and military ethos and i'm not wealthy i'm not masculine and i mean i love being around military guys but i'm not myself a, a veteran <laughs> so that's that part's a little embarrassing too
1: yeah it's it's really interesting that it seems to have that um either applicability or attraction to a more masculine reader
0: yeah I mean I'm not surprised by that are you like Mm -hmm. I mean no not really it's very they're into it yeah
1: yeah Yeah. I've I've been in the military (laughs) and I work with a lot of business owners and it's a really applicable um, approach and if you think Mm -hmm. about it well I always put it down to like a a Taoist approach of okay well that is very much the yang like I see it as like okay you you get things done and like it feels like it's um there's personally sometimes some aspects that I feel potentially that there's I feel like I'm exposing myself now (laughs) but like in terms of um it feels like there's There's things that are left unsaid or unfulfilled within stoicism that are maybe made up with a more of a yin approach.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, Taoism and stoicism. I mean, that's like, that should be a course. Um, Hmm. Let me try and think, like, so with Taoism, you're going to pay more attention to your physicality Mm -hmm. and with moments is that fair to say? Like, is that part of what? So. From, from, from my
1: has? limited yeah. awareness of Taoism yeah. and, and like limited yeah. research.
0: But yeah. Yeah. I taught, I taught, um I Taoist recommended one article for me and um uh, it was in philosophy of sports and we were reading it and um, uh, baseball players in the class were like, this is it. Like, this is like, literally they're describing what we do. Like, this is what we do as pitchers or catchers or whatever. Like we, it's, it's not that we see the ball, we sense the ball, you know, stuff like that. It was really resonating with them. And then we got to the part where if you focus enough, you can fly or go through walls. (laughs) It's like, okay, that's not stoic. That is not stoic. (laughs) But I do like when I teach stoicism, uh, I do try and make the point that people are, people are so opposed to military training today as, like I, I, I sometimes get to guest teach at the, the Citadel here in, in Charleston. So it's a military college. Not everybody goes on into the military, but everybody wears uniforms and they work out a lot and run a lot and stuff. And um, the my students at my college don't like this, but I'm like, the Stoics would prefer you go there. Like I want them to not modernize it, um, you know, when we're, when we're studying the ancients, it's like, do they want you in uniforms while you're developing? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a popular idea. People don't go to military colleges for reasons, you know, they don't find it attractive. And, um, and I, I know that that gets erased because it's not kind of the contemporary ethos. Does that make sense? Like the, and it's, and it's not fun. I mean, I, I love how uh, the cadets at our military school, like they're so funny about how it's horrible there. (laughs) You know, it sucks. They'll always say, but they are getting these one, you know, they're having wonderful friendships. They do really well afterwards. You know, I mean, they really, I mean, I guess it's like student athletes, like they're getting a dose of discipline that you, you can't, you couldn't possibly emulate at a, at a non-military school. But that's, that's an example of, you know, are the stoics in favor of like military training? Yes. So it's hard to apply it as a mom, uh, for that reason, but moms do a ton of things. I mean, talk about people who just do things without worrying about it. I mean, the things we do automatically in the morning, you know, it's like 80, you know, before the kids go to school. So I really think it, it, you know, can and should uh, be applied to people who, you know, don't do pull-ups.
1: <laughs> exactly. When I want to jump back to something you mentioned, because um, this is actually how I found out about you. And I was emailing Julia Annis about, yeah. um, about coming on the show and she referenced or recommended that I get you on board. What did <laughs> she teach you that you, um, yeah, what moments do you remember of her teaching you?
0: Oh, I mean, I think she's the smartest person I've ever been around. Um, so uh, she, she, she just was able to clarify, I mean, I recommend her book Morality of, of Happiness. Have you read that?:
1: No, it's, I read Intelligent Virtue.
0: and then Okay, that's easier. Um, okay. Morality of Happiness is one of the most difficult books. I, I hesitate to recommend it because I don't even think people can read it alone. I think it's, it's for, you know study with other graduate students or professors. Like it's, it's so comprehensive, and it takes you to the ancient passages themselves. She doesn't ignore any problems. Um, I uh, you know, she's in the debate with those other I I just am so impressed by scholars on, on ancient philosophy. I mean, they're they're they are just simply like the brightest people I've ever met. And then they debate these issues and I borrow their conclusions. So she's in those debates, but I have this experience of a lot of my students who get taught ancient philosophy get taught it in this. I mean, it's just such an insult to the work the ancients did, like this this kind of like historical way, gloss over the actual arguments, ignore the actual arguments, you know, say the Romans all, you know, these horrible generalizations, you're like, because there was turmoil in their era, they were Stoics. It's like, they weren't all Stoics, you know, just like there's turmoil in other, you know, just these really um, simplified dumbed down accounts are so common. And then I guess one way I could put it is Anis. Uh, does the opposite of that (laughs) she has such tremendous respect for the ancients I mean she she looks for their arguments that's how I should say my students said that this this semester
1: was it that logical approach that really signified it's importance or the importance of stoicism to you was it that feeling of like okay I can logically see where this goes or was it that how you actioned it in your own in your own life
0: Oh, definitely that because I'm—I don't think I'm such a such a good stoic, and like I'm, I think I have a natural virtue, but not real virtue. And um, to use Aristotle, but uh, yeah, it was definitely the arguments. I mean, I didn't want—you know—I didn't—I didn't want to be a stoic, <laughs> so it just, you know, like you just can't. But I'm a big fan of philosophical reasoning too, and contemporary philosophy. Like that to me is like—I mean, I, I don't know what people do without arguments, you know. So I already was attracted to philosophy, which is good on many, many subjects. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was just like a, a standard philosophical argumentation on these issues about how to live. That was just really attractive to me. because Which not
1: particular just, arguments?
0: I mean, I guess that uh, about happiness, the, the kit and caboodle. Like, those are good arguments. Um, we have terrible ideas about happiness right now, and they get operationalized, and people get... I mean, you know, a fortune, philosophers never get anything, but like, you know, researchers get a fortune measuring happiness in different societies or year by year. I, you know, just these, these check-ins with no interest in the, the possibility that happiness is a philosophical notion. You know, I mean, that, that's like the other team to me, just like, oh, let's just ignore how many things happiness could be and let's just measure it. Um, so why I love philosophers and some of them have been very effective with happiness itself. Um, Dan Habern's an example and convinced psychologists to slow down. But the reason I'm team philosopher is like you can't just say happiness and assume two people are on the same page. There's no possible way they are like have people spell out their view. Like we have we have many different views on, on happiness and they motivate us. And, you know, we put them in in. Um, uh, play and they're different. So, anything to straighten that out, I appreciate. Like, once you see it, I don't know how you would go back. I think my students mm. have that experience. Like, once you think philosophically about these things, I don't think you can go back to yeah. acting like you can't it doesn't put the matter. toothpaste back in the yeah. chair. Yeah, yeah, it's good. <laughs> That's a good sign, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> One of the books that completely shook me last year and like completely changed the, the way I viewed the world and something you've written about a lot and the story within it, you've written about a lot. Um, is, uh, women, well, sorry, where men win glory, uh, about oh, Pat Tillman. I haven't,
0: um, oh, I haven't you've spoken it.
1: about Pat Tillman though yeah. uh, a bunch. So talk to me about, uh, why his story stood out to you and also probably give us a little bit of background on, on a story for the, the kind of the people who don't yeah. know his story.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, I, uh, you know, I'm always looking for examples of, of Stoics. I'm always looking for examples of good people and happy people. And, um, my students this year, I don't know if everyone else is so interested in students, but I I always am. They couldn't think of one example of a good person from our society. They mentioned Mr. Beast. He's a YouTube guy. And then they like started arguing. They're like, Oh no, no, no. He's revealed himself. He's not as good as he, and Dolly Parton came up, I guess. But it was mm-hmm. it was worse than I had ever experienced it, because usually they come up with a couple people. I mean, That's it used to be politicians when I started. And that was kind of a, a way to reject the idea of, of personal morality mattering. But now it's they struggle. So Pat Tillman was so fascinating to me because of some of the choices were just not um, the choices we we describe as as rational So like that to me is the other team. They aren't even questioning what rational is. They're measuring it. They're making judgments about it. So the fact that he, um, like I'll just give the examples in in the way they occur to me and, and just stop me if I, but like one thing that was stoic is that he stayed with his high school girlfriend, you know, just like that's like, you can imagine people arguing with someone about that. Like you don't have to do that. Um, that he played on the Cardinals and was smaller than other people. You know, it's just like this—not the easiest thing to do in the world. Um, that he decided to uh, join the military and turn down his contract for millions of dollars. Um, you know, people say that's ir- irrational. Like, you know, you're not, you're 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 choosing wrongly. Um, and then I think very significant to me was. You know, at the time, like not saying the other people on the team should enlist. Like that, to that's me that's what
1: really stood out from your comment really
0: stood out to me, because when we talk about ethics, normally contemporary ethics, ethics, anything religion, other than like these ancient approaches, when we've figured something out that is ethical, we immediately assume other people are obligated to do it. You know, like I have a girls in high school and, you know, they're in that moralistic stage. Like nobody should buy fast fashion. You know, as soon as they figure it out, it's for everybody. Um, And so for him to recognize what he saw as his duty and for it not to be a code of ethics. I mean, I get in professional context, like when nurses all see the right thing to do. Great. But they actually also share like the strong code of ethics. So he was seeing something on his own and it was a great sacrifice. I mean, ultimate sacrifice. Um, He didn't seem nervous about it, you know, totally confident about it. He also refused to um, join prayer circles in, it's so like, it's such an American story that they were, they were common on his football team. And then in the army, you know, it's just like, what are the, so he would keep himself apart from the prayer circle. And that takes a lot of integrity that people don't always admire or encourage. You know, I mean, parents literally tell you to, to like get along and go along. So that ability to not look for approval from the crowd. And sometimes with my students, I'll say, or I'll mention, or bring up a study, you start to feel weird even if you isolate yourself from like a cafeteria table, have you ever seen that? I mean, you can try it yourself. Like you just turn your back to a group and like, you start to feel insecure and uh, you know, they have it timed. And um, so we kind of marvel at how he was able to choose that. Um, And then I also thought it was very stoic for him to have become critical of the army while he was there. So not from afar, but in the midst, you know, just like, wow, like that's the way to do it. And um, there's a photograph of him eating watermelon. It always makes me cry when I put it up in class because it's like, to me that captures stoic joy. I mean, he's, you know, in in service, I don't know when it was taken, um, but he's like relishing the slice of watermelon and uh, you know, the photo circulated after, after he's killed. And um, that, ability to enjoy the normal things of life is to me, a good description of this ancient happiness idea. Um, and I don't think the ancients provide that to us you know, on a platter or something, you know, it's like, I, I think that fits with what they're saying, but it is a way for us to understand it better. Like you should really enjoy your watermelon <laughs> while you're not self-conscious, while you're not trying to fit in, you know, while you're following your own path, doing what you think is the right thing at, at all sorts of costs, um and then one more thing about him, like if I have this right, uh he like wasn't like a choir boy in high school. Is that right? Like he got in fights and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah he he was um I think he yeah, he, he got put in jail for a little bit, I think, for, for yeah. one like brawl and over and he got yeah, in some serious sounds... trouble with the police. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I like that story too, because um in one of the eulogies, his brother gave, he said, uh, um, people are calling him Jesus, but yeah. Or maybe he said he's not Jesus. And we have such a limited set of categories. Like, uh, you know, if we only have religious ideals for, um, people's behavior then anyone who gets in trouble in high school is out, mm-hmm. you know, they're supposed to be good from the beginning. Um, I mean, I don't mind that influence on my kids in particular, you know, I I want them to be good. I don't want them to get in fights in high school, but um, it's, that's not the ancient uh, advice, you know? So like you can really screw up uh, on their account. You don't have to be pure the whole time while you're young. I mean, Aristotle even says you have to get some experience before you understand the good of ethics. And my students are always shocked by that because no matter what their background or tradition, it is widespread, the idea that you have to be good from the start. Yeah, And that's such a strange, yeah. So interesting. It's It's something I've been thinking
1: about personally quite a lot recently. I've been thinking how I actually was very fortunate to be invited into a few worlds where at the age of 21, 22, I was introduced to, um, I think it was originally through like listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast, for example, in yeah. stoicism, and I was like, oh wow, like that's very um, that's very actionable in my life and very useful. And then meditation as well was also a tool that was yeah. that brought to me, and I was like, okay, that's a very useful tool. But I was almost using them without the um, without. All the faults that could potentially be bought into my life through living real life. And then I had to go out and see why those things were necessary by erring from the path and go, okay, this yeah. is why I need these tools again. This is why they're important to me.
0: Oh, I love that. So one thing I've been trying to do is to keep up with behavioral science. There's so many things called behavioral science, but I really like George Ainsley is my favorite behavioral scientist. And one thing he's looked at with human motivation is that um, we kind of need to screw up or we lose our motivation. Like one simple way to relate it is like when people on strict diets, now these might be out of style. I don't know, but like when they'll talk about their, their cheat day or something, but that fits perfectly with it. Cause it's like, you're going to be motivated after that. Like the next day you're going to be like, okay, that was enough pizza. Um, but if you apply that to uh to becoming ethical. Um, he would, he, he's been arguing like you will lose the, um, you'll lose your motivation for being ethical if you don't kind of taste the edges sometimes. Does that make sense? Like you, you, Mm -hmm. you, if you don't put it in practice and no one's going to put it in practice perfectly, um, the rewards get boring or something like that. And yeah, it's not very
1: expedient. It's, it doesn't yeah. like move you towards the goal that's um easily observable by the rest of society that well.
0: yeah yeah and i mean if you're too worried about not doing everything ethically or perfectly i'd imagine you would do less too right like one thing mm. the stoics encourage in me is like Fearlessness, you know in my little role, not doing pull- ups or anything, but like i'm not afraid of a lot of things, and so if I had a different conception of ethics i 'd be afraid to move you know i'd be afraid to say the wrong thing i'd be afraid to deal with very cool twenty year olds you know just just like you'd be afraid of you'd be afraid of things so i I do think that's a part of their ethics that is very useful, even though i'm not making it sound so Clear.
1: No, it's something I speak about to my clients who are almost all entrepreneurs, is that you don't improve your map through standing still. No. You you don't you can't like get a representation of the world that's more accurate and more yeah. usable by yeah. just standing still and you've got to fail and you've got yeah. to push those edges consistently in, in order to figure out where that is.
0: I know you do this, um, but also that focus on yourself, which that, that's a misinterpretation of Stoicism too, where people think it's egoistic, but it's not. It's uh, you aren't sitting there and just judging other people like an audience member. I mean, I hate that. I, I really like, you shouldn't have the time for it. You know what I mean? You should not have the time for <laughs> yeah. it. And the Stoics have that line. My, my students are always shocked by this. Be an enemy to yourself and one in weight. I love it. Like, you're your critic. You're your critic. And like, you are going to screw up, is why you need to be your critic. You know, just like, expect it. It's really it's, it's very difficult things to work out. Um, and the way I kind of think of stoicism, I go really slowly with it. Um, I, I just like go as far as I can understand. But I kind of see us as figuring out what to do, kind of claim by claim, you know, norm by norm, like sentence by sentence. So that is going to be very slow. You know, how long will it take you to figure out, like now at my age, I know I go to the hospital right away if one of my friends or colleagues is there, you know, like new norm. I didn't do that when I was younger. Um, But that now that I know it, I'm in a different situation. I'm motivated to do something I think is right when before it was just probably murky or awkward or, you know, I probably just felt things about whether I was doing enough or not. But how slow is that? I mean, you can't just hand that instruction to a 20 year old like you. I, I worked on that like it's almost like critical thinking class, like you put up a claim and then you try and correct it so that it applies, you know, so that it's justified and so that it works. So, you, of course, you're going to screw up like I, I don't even you know, like how could you quickly get all the ideas about what it's right for you to do? There's no way. And without screwing up.
1: Just a quick favor to ask. If you love the show and you think it may help someone else in the world, then head to wherever you listen to The Freedom Project and leave a five-star review and maybe even share it with some friends. It really does help me and it helps the show too. I can continue to get fantastic guests on the show. It reaches more people and it makes me feel great too. So I would be enormously grateful if you could leave a five-star review and share any episodes of the podcast that you love. I like that. I want to co- I want to come back to that. Pat Tillman piece that you spoke about as well yeah. you, you spoke about how it, it appeared irrational to everyone else yeah and that's how I thought about it when I kind of found out my no story I was like well that's so irrational to, to yeah, want to do that and yeah. then the more you understand it it's only irrational if your goal is to Meet some expedient end where you are fulfilling Mm -hmm. society's obligations of you or your expectations of how you want to be appeared by, um, appeared, um, want to be seen by others. Mm -hmm. And if you are just worried about completing the goal and there's a kind of scarcity within that, whereas if you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to act ethically and that to myself is meaningful. Yeah. That's a far more, um, it's completely rational.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I love that. My uh, Julianus used to use the example. I don't remember his name. I should know his name, but the person who invented like the internet kind of gave it away World Wide web or something. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, one of my friends, uh, Jimmy Wales uh, created Wikipedia and he didn't sell it or monetize it. And um, uh, people consider that irrational, like not prudent, you know, just like I know what you should have done and you didn't do it. But um, yeah, it's really a way to reinforce what we're we're here for, which is certainly not like winning a money race or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way that gets tested is like whether people need more once they do have enough. And they do, of course, you know, it's just like no one, no one's at peace just because they have a certain amount of money.
1: Yeah, yeah. What interests me there is you're talking about, um, you've mentioned quite frequently other people's like kind of, you spoke about it with your students as well about the idea that we're sitting in the audience casting judgment and it seems like the the man in the arena speech yes it comes back time and time again of just like is your opinion worthwhile and is it worthwhile listening to um have you done the thing and until you've done the thing then you have some some right to um to hold judgment over it
0: yeah you what you were saying before made me think of that too yeah i mean it's just doesn't that work like I sometimes worry like maybe stoicism can like kind of, uh, wrap up people who have a certain temperament. Like, it seems like, I mean, there's some good psychology on this, like people who are leaders like Pat Tillman, they are a certain way maybe as children, you know, like, and one surprising thing is they're kind of tattletales. Like they do see morality in a way. So Mm -hmm. there's this great longitudinal research on rescuers in world war II. So people who really risk their lives and we're not paid to risk their lives. Um, To save people from the nazis and so they've been interviewed over time and the psychologists have found they've looked into like you know what they have in common and it's not a lot but one one suggestion was like they told on people as children (laughs) which you just don't think of as such an attractive trait you know and that probably is hard to combine with like don't be passive and and sit in judgment but i think i see the path uh through like if you're not in the arena doing things. Um, if you're not in the arena doing things, you are going to be so focused on other people's opinions of you that like, imagine perception they have of you. And people spend their whole lives pursuing that. Um, unhappy with it. And m- one worry I have is that maybe people who like stoicism never really cared about that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Why is that like worry? If- well, if Pat Tillman was just like uninterested in other people's approval at seven or nine, then it couldn't have been like ideas. Well, maybe it, I mean, our kid's that smart. But if, if those of us who like stoicism just literally don't care what other people think when we aren't impressed by their ethics, like that's just kind of how we started. You know, maybe maybe our parents get some credit or, you know, maybe we got some influence. But But you can see differences even with siblings, you know, so... Like in my field, a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome. It's like so weird to me. Like they feel like they don't deserve their job. And I can't, I could never, like I can't even imagine feeling that way. So I didn't think my way into that position. I just like, when you work really hard, why would you not deserve, like when you're doing the job, why, what else is there to worry about? Like, you know, I work my butt off, like, how am I an imposter? So I know other people are more aware of of what they're imagining uh, the judgment of like the crowd to be. And so I worry feels, maybe that's not philosophical.
1: <laughs> well, it feels like a background of ethical decisions made appropriately and a history that you can look at it as kind of a back catalog would uh. contradict any imposter syndrome. If you went, okay, well I can look back at it and on average over the past 10 years, yeah. I've made good decisions uh, ethically. Yeah. That would, that would kind of reinforce a, um, a strong self-image or something yeah. along those lines
0: yeah 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 there's some yeah I, I i hate that people act like those things are so normal you know or universal or because one helpful thing about like eudaimonist virtue ethics is like we don't have to accept that kind of sadness about social status as as like a given or permanent or all we can do yeah, how interesting. Okay.
1: What have you found to be, if any, a limitation of a stoic approach?
0: I mean, I am a little worried if behavioral science is right about us, which I imagine, um, then you kind of have to like gamble, uh, ethics a bit to care about ethics is one worry I have. Like, I I don't think of virtue as something you like are reaching out to get like some golden orb. And so maybe that will make a difference. So if you're not If it's not a goal like that, if it's different because it's just like reasoning about what's right and wrong to do and then putting it in practice, if it's not a goal like that, it might not be as vulnerable to that discovery that when we have goals, we have to kind of gamble them a bit to revive our, you know, internal motivation in them. But that would be a problem if we could not focus on being good and it couldn't organize our motivations in life. That would be a problem. Um, And then, of course, I always, like, am uh, pretty flexible about, like, the moral psychology associated with Stoicism, because, of course, we can update that. So, like, I never I don't, like, memorize lines about emotion from these ancients that also disagree with each other, you know, so that that's, like, unfinished, I think. Um, And I, th- I, th- I feel like I have other worries, but I, I'm not, I'm not thinking of them. I mean, I wish it were presented in a, in a way that made it more accessible to people. Cause I run into people who I think of as natural Stoics all the time, but they, they don't read any, they, they have figured it out on their own or through other influences, sometimes like religious influences, but they haven't like touched a page of, of Stoicism. So it's, I, I wish there were something they would like, um, that reflected what they had figured out.
1: That's interesting. Are those people who have not necessarily had material success in the world, but who have achieved some sort of difficult objective?
0: Uh huh. To me, the group of people who are natural Stoics that I I, I like encounter the most are African Americans here in Charleston, South Carolina, who lived through like the sixties and the seventies. Here, I mean, they are Stoic. Mm -hmm. um it's just like literally they'll say things and it's like well that could be in the canon (laughs) so really tolerant of others bad behavior at peace with it focused on what's right um not afraid i mean some of some of these uh uh people here have were in prison as kids with their families you know for for uh marching for civil rights not afraid then not afraid now like Um, their families were blacklisted from doing business as a consequence of, you know, just literally like, uh, you know, trying to get good, good schooling. And, um, and so they, uh, like almost to a one the people here who fought for civil rights are stoic, but they don't read stoicism.
1: (laughs) That's very interesting. (laughs) Is there anyone else that stands out to you? Like that you hold up as a, an emblem of, of Stoicism or someone who is a real, um, example of it?
0: No, I, d- it is kind of hard to find. I think like, um, w- uh, there's, uh, James Stockdale, of course, you know, yeah. I, I, think of him as like a Stoic philosopher and, um, Tillman and I have trouble after that. Like, I don't really have any references for the students. Now I'm okay with that because, Virtue is supposed to be so rare. So I like to emphasize that too. You know, we're all just like progressing, like, you know, of course we're not going to like find an actual virtuous person, but um, yeah, I, there's so few examples in, in, in my experience um, uh, that students would know, you know, a a name that people would know. I do like some of these people I'm mentioning from our community, I bring them into class and like, they'll, they'll talk and like, we'll, we'll, we'll hear from someone who was um, so virtuous and has like these, uh, you know, generous ideas about the rest of us. That's another thing about Stoicism I really like is its attitude towards other people. Just thinking of uh, what you were talking about before, um, like the the generosity I was mentioning is not that you assume other people are ethical. You do not, and not that you blame them for not being ethical. You do not. Like it's unusual. It's a it's a really um, forgiving kind of attitude, even though the Stoics do not have the account of forgiveness that we kind of assume everybody has, you know? So it'd be like stoic forgiveness, not normal forgiveness. And I I really enjoy that um that part of the view. But yeah, anyone who doesn't lie, I think has a little stoicism in them. That might be my best to yeah. check. And some people don't like
1: Gone, sorry I, I interrupted you.
0: Oh no, please.
1: Okay. When you think about developing virtue, do you stick within what the four stoic virtues is? it Wisdom, courage, temperance, justice, like typically, or do you think, okay, well, it's something other than that?
0: Yeah, I I just, I'm a fan of just calling it virtue, which is like kind of crabby of me. But I think like in my field ethics, there's just so much work on the particular virtues and it's not, it's not at all stoic or eudaimonist. So like, you know, People will work on generosity uh, completely apart from ethical theory. So if I say be generous, like I, I feel like I must be referring to those theories, which are at odds with stoicism. So I like the idea that we can be said to have those um, qualities, but we can't just be like, aim. what are we even aiming for if we're aiming f- for that? So I always think what we're aiming for is becoming practically rational. So just like, Figuring out what to do, you know, go immediately to the hospital when someone you know you work with is there. Figuring out what to do and 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 then saying it to yourself as you do it, saying it to other people so they can criticize you if you're hypocritical or you know not living up to it. Um, like with friendship, the way to be a, a a virtuous friend or try to become a virtuous friend would be to figure out what a good friend does, and most of us just don't bother. We all want to be a good friend. We all like to compliment ourselves as good friends, but like, and I'm a pretty, pretty good friend, but I have not worked out what that involves. So that makes me think I am falling down on it in some respect. Like what exactly I should be able to say what a good friend does. And it's like, eh, that'll give me a headache. That's too hard to figure out. But that to me is like the, the failure. And then being a good friend just would be becoming practically rational about it, which would mean you, um, you know, literally think about uh, the description you can endorse and like, you know, follow through on. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I really like the focus on action and yeah, being practical yeah. with it. Um, yeah, it's. I have this constant conversation with the clients I work with, and they're talking about um, so developing courage, for example, is is something that a lot of people. A, a good use of their time because they will be sucked into um, drinking with clients around Christmas, for example. And they know that it's, it's not productive to who they want to be. And they have to have a certain element of courage to go, well, I'm going to actually not do that because I know it's sacrificing yes. my ability to help others and all these other kind of goals. And so yeah. like, okay, I want to display a small bit of courage in this. And hopefully that trends out to something else. But they... a a finding that like the thing that come back is well I didn't feel like being courageous I didn't feel that way I didn't feel like I it was natural and the conversation I seem to have back is well what did you do and which is more important and it almost requires more courage to do something um that actually you don't want to do otherwise it doesn't seem that courageous
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. I love that because, wow, that's so interesting. Like you're like seeing things happen. I love that because, um, my worry that like some of us just like kind of begin not caring what other people think, um, is met by you saying people can shift in these ways. So they do care that other people are going to think they aren't fun and loose and going to the party. Um, uh, but they're like, uh, 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 working against that. So that's, that's like really helpful to me. But then I also like, yeah, if you don't feel brave, cause you're doing that, we don't have great conceptions of bravery. Like we just don't. And if you're a Stoic, you're going to be figuring it out for the rest of us. Like, that's how I think Stoicism applies so well to like parenting and, and being a friend. I guess the Stoics don't have a ton on being a friend, but you know, even being a, a, a partner, a romantic partner, like Stoicism's has a lot of potential when it comes to how you do that, even though they don't have like accounts we memorize because you have to figure it out. You test it, you know, it's just like, they encourage you to figure it out. Um, but it's like, if you aimed for some already like developed cultural conception of what it was, to be a good partner you're that's not it like that won't be authentic it, we know that's not going to be right like it doesn't what we see it, it's not working you know um so i'd love that you you figure out what's courageous it will not be what people already call courageous mm, nice that's such a you know that's like plato too like he does such a good job talking about heroicism and, and battle and he has like in one of his dialogues he has these two like you know very honored generals talking and he I mean, he's kind of mean, Plato, right? Like he's insulting people all the time in his dialogues. And these generals that, you know, are like so honored by anyone hearing these dialogues back then, they have a lot of trouble saying what true bravery on the battlefield is, though they've done it and seen it. And like Plato's point is like, come on, let's let's figure this out. Like, let's come up with some descriptions of what this is. But what you see isn't, that's not... Our accounts, when we just recognize something, they aren't good enough. So like, if it's like, I'm not brave just for skipping happy hour, it's like, but basing that on what? Like, we don't have really good accounts of what's brave. That is brave. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, that should be.
1: <laughs> and it, it's an indication of how you're going to act under stress when it's more considerable. When yeah. it's your yeah. kids are sick or when you yeah. got something to to truly do that's very important, how are you going to oh, then? if you can, point. it's it's a it kind of expands out from a very yes. local event to a more global approach to life
0: Wow, yeah, that's so great. Oh, I just love what you're doing i mean this that's like really filling out the account. It's like we can say what it's good to do, but then helping people to like make that kind of progress is really like adding some pieces to the puzzle.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really interesting seeing it from my perspective because people seem to come into working with me having this inkling of, well, there's something, there's Uh something I can, surely there's something I can do. More I can do. I'm good. I'm already
0: good at a lot of things, but I, there's more I can do.
1: Yeah. And it's like a a disconnect.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: And then they seem to get that through action. And it's, I, I see it as a sets and reps game in the same way of, okay, well, you're going to go to the gym, you want to develop a back, uh, a stronger back squat. So here's a back squat exercise and a front squat exercise, and you put these sets and reps, in. And then eventually you, um, you grow your capacity to, to move weight.
0: Wow, that's so cool. Um, yeah, I never think I never like see people trying it, you know, that's like, just so fascinating to me. And then it's not intellectual as much as you're describing it. It's like practice. It's yeah. like people already know what they, yeah. I mean, that seems very stoic to me too. Like we know, like we know when we're doing something we're proud of and when we're not like we, that's where integrity comes from. We have that potential. So like mm-hmm. someone who's like acting viciously or, you know, um, uh, cruelly harming other people selfishly, they know, I mean, that's quite an assumption. And I'm sh- I'm sure many psychologists would, would say, no, you don't know, but I think that's kind of necessary for stoicism and like Aristotelianism like well you you get feedback <laughs> like I was you're, judging, you're, judging from
1: my own <laughs> experience i know when i'm being a dick i know that's that's very evident to me from, yeah, from right. the shame that i feel or the like, yeah, right. horrible internal yeah, the shame. Yeah, right. Like, yeah right
0: yeah the yeah. nervousness yeah the whole thing yeah that's mm-hmm. funny but then to recognize that does suggest we have the potential to change and then maybe a lot of people are against that idea that we have the potential to change um
1: mm-hmm. Well, it's so a whole lot bother. more comfortable to say, well, I am who I am and there's no yeah. need for
0: growth. Or like those studies, you know, th- results just like everyone lies, you know, I mean, anything that would comfort you with like uh, your common behavior or, you know, the behavior that makes you feel bad. I, I always think that's such a strange direction. Like, well, who can, like, who is, uh, is that supposed mm. to make us feel better? Like, just relax, like don- don't aim for being a more honest person. I mean, I always, yeah. I, I like to emphasize this, like, the Stoics with honesty, it's not like a contemporary religious ideal where you you're not honest in, um, I think, all sorts of ways that we think of of honesty. Um, you know, it's got to be like something that actually works, you know, not like a childish like, oh, you look fat in that. You know, I mean, no compliments to like not being socially intelligent. I, you know, we just like blend so much, I think, with um, with any ethical approach. And we probably shouldn't, like we, you know, you can't, you can't recommend everything with, with stoicism. Mm-hmm. And I think some of those unrealistic ideas about, um, you know, not telling a lie, like they aren't even, they aren't part of the stoic account. We might assume they are, because we assume that's good behavior, but anything that's like too hard for people to achieve, I do think that should be out. So I use Stockdale as an example of that, because he had to modify the instructions for prisoners of war, because nobody could yeah. live up to them. Nobody, and I think it was like, don't talk on the radio if you're tortured. Was one, and it's like, nobody can, like, it's impossible. So that's terrible. Like, that's not stoicism. Stoicism is about what we can do. I mean, it's a lofty ideal, it's as rare as the phoenix for us to be virtuous, but um, we still can do what they're recommending, like, actually do it. And so, if anyone tells us, you know, to be pure or uh, you know never harm anyone or never offend anyone or you know never lie it, that's those are impossible like it's like yeah. saying don't talk under torture it's impossible so that's that's going to cause shame in people who have not even done anything wrong <laughs>
1: yeah. that's what i really like about that that, that kind of um brings you on something else as well because in the british military and i'm sure this is true across nato it used to be if you get captured you used to say three things your name rank and number and those are the only three things you're allowed to say. And then is I think it was around Gulf War that they went. Actually, that's a not a great strategy because it puts everyone else at risk. And the strategy is like, okay, well, you're going to ble- like slowly bleed out the truth. Is generally what's yeah. applied now. Okay. Um, and you'll probably have a, a cover story. Is, okay. is the, the approach? Cover so story. it's like, okay, so well, like that's more. Uh, it's a wiser approach it's 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 doing what's rational practically rational
0: yes and it's it's fit to us humans you know it's just Mm -hmm. like we have these physical systems that can you know really affect us and other people can control them so it's like it's just such a good it's it's such a good example of how ethics is supposed to be for us tested by us used by us successful for us Mm -hmm. and long term like you're saying too yeah you can consider all of that
1: one That's thing I'm a, interested. On, sorry.
0: sorry, no please.
1: No, no, you go, you go. <laughs>
0: no, I don't even know what I was saying. Okay, one
1: thing, one thing that I'm interested by in a conversation that I have consistently with business owners is how to approach profit ethically.
0: Oh yeah, I um, have been working on like philosophy of economics. and Philosophers are so good on it, um, and economists are very philosophical too. I mean, I, I. I I, that is a philosophy, you know, I, I kind of think we should learn it more and not, not, not just like, uh, uh, expect the economist to try and communicate it to us. But um, I think the Stoics are kind of good on this. And I'm not like 100% convinced, but um, they're very comfortable with wealth, of course, like that might be a way people could criticize the Stoics, but like, it doesn't have to get in your way, you know, so like that's, that's more comfort than a lot of people have with people's wealth. And, um, you know, it doesn't do tremendous things for you either. It doesn't do as much as people think it does for wealthy people. Um, I mean, we were laughing, someone was laughing with me, like Seneca would complain about how wealth doesn't do that much for you, but didn't give his away, you know? So I, I get that there might be like, you know, more, yeah. more work that needs to be done by wealthy people on this exact issue. But the way I've been trying to argue the stoics apply to like markets and making uh, profit is that you have to use practical rationality and figure out a way that what you're doing is beneficial to everybody. And that's a high bar, but like there are sentences that can do it, you know, like you can, you can think that you're contributing to long-term good by contributing to like prices and like, um, know the health of a market you can do that they did in the ancient world the stoics were like gosh we need markets so if you're contributing to a market you're helping people i mean you know there are all sorts of ways markets might not allow everyone to benefit so like you'd have to care about justice too justice even in how a market's set up like people can't be excluded things like that but they had these interesting debates that cicero records um and you know first of all i love that the stoics debate these things like they're so philosophical it's not like a a a doctrine or dogma or something but there's a a famine you are bringing a ship with grain do we want people to profit from that or um not now strangely like they never seem to consider donating the grain so i guess we're just dealing with the ancient world (laughs) like that's not even like that there's there was there was no like uh, incentive or system set up you know for that to that even seem like an option, I guess. But um, the defense of selling the grain for the same, I think it's the same price you would normally, that's how I've like kind of filled out this story, is that markets are helping people and you want to market uh, in place um on that famine-torn island in the future. That'd be good for them. We've seen, we see what it's like without a market. We want these people to be able to get grain. And then um, the other option is to reveal that ships are behind you so that prices are going to go down. It's how you fill it out, you know, so that people don't spend too much money on this uh, grain they need and they can wait for the other ships. And that's considered a humane response, but so is the first. So the Stoics mm-hmm. argue about what to do and they're like, but they're both humane. I mean, both of these options can be defended in terms of like human, not my good, you know, not the seller's good, but long-term human good. And I'm sure you've seen this, but I had an interesting conversation with a a business here and um, they're really proud of being ethical. And one example is they don't even consider billing clients when they can and the client won't notice. (laughs) It's like such an, I mean, it comes up constantly cause it'll just be like, they get a discount or something or, you know, the, the shipping's less than they expected. And, and the clients are, they wouldn't want these updates. Like, you know, that's for sure too. Just like, Oh, oh you know, so they're, they're, they've already got a deal. Um, and uh, the client wouldn't, wouldn't know, um, but they still won't do it. And it's like, wow, that's, that's uh that's a pretty complicated ethical take that has a lot to do with, you know, the norms you endorse and, um, I mean that's that just reminded me of Cicero's discussion of of markets like you know what is it right to do here it can't just be maximize your profit at every term because people in business aren't doing that when they could you know it's just like they're pretty happy with uh with what they're doing and it's not that
1: but that's in conjunction with okay well you want it to be profitable so you can keep running the business and so there's some reserves but also that you're as as long as you're making the best kind of product possible and serving the the clients as well as you can
0: and from outside like you know i mean maybe it's just like academics who are guilty of this but but probably the public too like yeah from the outside that the idea that these products are good and you're helping people with them i think that gets ignored sometimes you know like we just find out someone's wealthy and it's like but they they did things that We all appreciate to get there. And of course, you're mindful of that if you're selling the product. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you've noticed, but like, yeah, I don't even think I I notice people focus more on that, the service or the product than the profit in the moment, like when they're dealing with, you know, they're so hyper aware of it. So, yeah, they don't think they're ripping people off.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, Oh, I really appreciate it. So thank you so
0: much to think about
1: no my absolute pleasure where can people follow your work watch your talks that kind of thing
0: oh gosh i mean i have a little blog on psychology today but i'm sure that's not for everybody and um i have a book coming out hopefully finishing it up a book coming out um tentatively called stoic business where i kind of work on uh these ideas of economic goods being indifference um and kind of look at uh, economics as, as a philosophy, I guess, is kind of the, the bulk of it. But I try and introduce stoicism in it, which is always a, a challenge. I feel like I do that in different, different ways every time. And then otherwise, we just, you know, we write a lot of papers in, in, in philosophy. But I would recommend uh, Julia Annis' work on the stoics always <laughs> before Thank any you. of anything of mine. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you so Thank much for joining me. Thank you. I really was appreciate it. It such a pleasure.